Hallelujah. God, we recognize your presence. We honor your presence. One of the, you can put your hands down for a second, one of the misunderstandings of the glory of God is that somehow we can pull it down. And you can't pull down glory. And it's cliche, I've said it all my life as a kid in church. God, send your glory down. Send your glory down. And we say it, and we say it with good intentions. We don't say it without good intentions. But the truth of the matter is, is glory doesn't come down. Glory goes up. And the only way glory happens is whenever people release it. Isn't it a shame that what we're looking for, we have the power to loose? We're looking for it and it's here. You say, you say Bishop, do you have Bible for that? Yes. The earth, the earth is what? I want you to look at somebody next to you and tell them, say, I don't know if you realize it or not. All you are is dirt. You're just dirt. Dust. I came, dust, I'll return. And God filled the earth with His glory. Now let me ask you a question real quick and be honest with you. I know, I know you're tired. Look, you endured your bishop and Pastor Miles Rutherford. You've got to be tired. As I was on the front row, I said, man, we're going to have to bring in some of those things like they have on the Alabama sideline. You know, the things you put on for oxygen and stuff. But, but let me ask you a question. If I told you 20 miles from this building, there is a 100,000 square foot facility. And if you need any, any money, just 20 miles away. Just go over there. And when you get there, you tell them that I told you to go. And whatever, however much money you need, you, they're just going to load your truck up with it. How many of you would be headed 20 miles away from here? Some of y'all need to write a check. You didn't raise your hand. You're the ones that need to give big tonight. If you were sick. And I said, 10 miles from here, there is a, a facility. And there is nothing they cannot cure. 
And it's not going to cost you a dime. No doctor visit. You just show up. And when you leave, you'll be cured. How many of you, if you were sick, would go to that facility? So why don't we release glory? The earth, full of glory, right? God, send your glory, God's going. <laughs> I, I, I already did. You were born with it. I filled you with it. I sent it. You got it. And he said, if you would just think. If you would just think. People that don't want to worship. Don't want to loose glory. But you said you'd drive 20 miles for cash. You said you'd drive another 10 or 20 for health. But you don't want to release glory. You, you're confused. You're, you're ignorant. Not stupid. Stupid is I don't want to pursue the answer. Ignorance is I don't know the answer. You're ignorant. Because let me tell you something. Every time I was watching your pastor. And some people think you're crazy. You know that. You know that. And they'll visit and they'll go, well, he's kind of... Uh -huh. A little crazy. You are, you are generating a release of glory. Well, he looks more like a cheerleader. Yeah, we need more of those. We need more people to say, get up on your feet. Lift your hands. Open your mouth. Are you with me? Because... If, if you would just realize what's at stake. Now, I'm going to ask you one more question and I'm going to tell you something you didn't know. How many of you have a need in your life? One need. Some, some need. Okay? Watch this. When he says, give God the glory. And you do. Because you are full of glory. He, you'll drive for the money, you'll drive for the healing, but when you get here, you're going to stay silent, and you don't even realize what you're doing. He shall supply some, half, how many of our needs? According to his riches in glory that you're full of. Let's see, you don't, you don't understand. Oh, that, that was nice. You don't understand. Oftentimes we're told things in the scripture that we don't understand. We just brush by it. Clap your hands all you people and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Here's what you need to realize. He didn't say shout for the triumph. He said shout as though you have the triumph. I had a lady come to me the other day in my church. And she said, Bishop, I've not seen a change 
I, and I said, what are you talking about? She goes, well, you know, I've asked you, I've come down to the altar now three Sundays in a row for prayer for my finances. And, and, and the devil keeps attacking my finances. And I've asked you to pray and, and to break the devil's grip on my finances. And she said, I, I'm standing here and, it's, and it's, it's not broken. I said, it can only be one thing. She said, what's that? I said, your praise must be attached to your money. I said, because the devil don't attack what your praise is not connected to. If you quit being happy and praising God just because you got money and you don't have any needs, guess what the devil's going to attack? Because he knows the only way to steal your praise is to attack what your praise is connected to. If your praise is only connected to him, he's already defeated the devil. Praise and worship are essential. You cannot exist in the kingdom of God without it. And this is how powerful it is. See, we don't praise and worship. Let me tell you something. I only preach as a secondary consequence of sin. If nobody sinned yesterday, I wouldn't have to preach a sermon today. But whether we sinned or not, he still inhabits the praises of his people. And he still said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. So watch this. When God, let me tell you when God visits you. When God sees earth imitating heaven. When earth looks like heaven. God feels comfortable visiting. Y'all didn't y'all miss that, right? Jesus teaches how to pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy thy He said what's already happening in heaven, I pray it would happen on earth. And when it does, I'll inhabit the praises. And listen, God has never shown up anywhere that he didn't fix what was wrong where he showed up. So if you got anything wrong in your life, that's why you ought to release the glory. That's why you ought to release a shout. That's why you ought to clap your hands. That's why you ought to give him a crazy praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. All my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing. Of the goodness of God. Can you lift your hands just one time and sing it with me? One time. All my life. All my life. All my life. 
every breath able I will sing of the goodness of God as you return to your seat tonight you just tell somebody say God's got something for you God's got something just for you thank you Ben thank you Ben how many people appreciate the pastors of this house the shepherd of your life the angel of God to your life, the man of God in your life, the voice to your life. Come on, somebody put your hand. Y'all ought to jump up on your feet and put your hands together and give God praise for the man and woman of God in this house. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Amen. I, I love you, pastors. They are two of the most sincere people in the kingdom of God that I've ever met. Truly, truly, I, I believe this with all my heart, the greatest fear of Larry Raglan is missing God and just being disobedient to God. I truly believe that's his greatest fear. And there are very few men like that. And I thank God that he's in my life. He thanks God that I'm in his, but... I thank God he's in my life because I've never, I've never called him where I would. I didn't feel encouraged whenever I hung up the phone and I thank God for him. Everything about him is an encourager. It's a, it's, it's a pusher. He is, he, he would have made a phenomenal drug dealer. Be worth millions right now. He, man, he could have been the cartel in Alabama. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever wondered in the midst of your greatest struggles, trials, troubles, situations, where in the hell is God? three of us don't act like you don't cuss y'all watch Alabama every Saturday have you ever looked around and just said listen to what I'm saying where in the hell is God if he's omnipresent he's got to be present in the midst of my hell that I'm going through have you ever asked God where are you have you ever asked God, why am I going through this? Have you ever asked God, what are you going to do about it? When I was young, I was taught, you do not question God. That He's, he's infinite, He's all-knowing, He's omniscient. You don't question Him. He knows what's best. And I understand the logic behind that. But they were going off of the, of the powerful force of God rather than the parenting side of God. He's a God we can talk to. He's a God we can question. He's a God we can, we can consult with. And I've got to be honest with you, there have been seasons in my life 
whenever I felt like I was all by myself. And the truth of the matter is, there are seasons when God is not going to do anything about your situation when you want Him to do it. God's greatest need, His greatest desire, is not that I praise Him. That's a commandment. And if I didn't praise Him, He even said the rocks would. So He don't need me to praise Him. He wants me to praise Him. But He's got a need. His greatest need is to be believed. Because He cannot do anything absent of faith. We live in a society that says, when I see it, I'll believe it. We, we, we deal with watered down church. Listen to me, because we are tired of digging for revelation that stimulates faith. Because if I preach too much faith, I will build expectation in you. And if you don't get what you want, then you'll probably leave my church because you'll say, well, I did what you told me to do and it didn't work. So what we tell people to do now is how to treat each other. And we've got broke, busted, and disgusted saints, but love everybody. We're inclusionist. We're, we're inviting everybody in and we're making everybody feel comfortable. And we have created an anorexic church that has no strength, no stamina, no backbone, no will to stand against the wiles of the devil. Most churches that I go to, I will. Aggravate the heck out of me. You want me to tell you why? Because they lie before you ever walk in the building. You say, how do they lie? The name on their church. Faith Center. No faith. Praise Tabernacle. Nobody praising. Worship Center. Nobody knows how to worship. House of Freedom. Ain't nobody free. Everybody's bound. They're lying to you before you ever walk through the doors. I wish I could go to a church where when you put a name out on the street, that's what you get when you come through the back door. Hello? I mean, if, if you're not going to live up to the name, just put rest area. People stop at those. But we lack faith. But I'm going to tell you something. You better understand something because we get rough and tough on people. But I, I, I'm going to share something with you that's going to blow your mind. And I'm just going to ask you, can I come down there? I was going to anyway. But 
it's always good to get permission. You know, I'm going to share something that's going to blow your mind. Jesus talked about His death and resurrection 21 times before He died. 21 times He talked about being raised on the third day. And yet nobody believed it. Everybody was shocked. And He had already told them 21 times. When he ascended, I want you to picture this. He meets them after he's resurrected. They all watched him be crucified. All of them. And not one spoke up. Sounds like the church of today. Every time a preacher gets crucified, everybody's scared to defend them. You need to come to the front row. Listen to me. He died in front of them. Now he's standing there. And he's, he's alive. Now, I wonder. How many people in Birmingham. Would be here Sunday. If Pastor Larry would have died last Friday and then come walking in here tonight, I wonder this Sunday how many people would be in here. Don't look at me like that. They're dumb enough to line up for 17 miles in Monterey, Mexico to go see a piece of flour in a tortilla that has the image of Jesus. And say, so, well, that's supernatural. I mean, if he died and we had the funeral last Friday, and he come walking through the door, there wouldn't be a lot of black people in here. We would all run out of here. Am I right about it? You would, you, I, come on now. You wouldn't go, oh, oh my, oh, oh, oh. And then, watch, he comes in and he says, I'm not here. I'm not back to stay. Right? I'm here to tell you, sell out 100%. Don't die. With your praise left in you. Because watch. If you want to find where. If you want to find the saddest places in the world. It's, it's, it's graveyards. Where dreams were never fulfilled. Songs were never written. Companies were never started. Are you hearing me? And what if he said. I just came back tonight. To tell y'all. Sell out to God. Give him everything you've got. You're trembling in your seat. You know you are. Because you were at the funeral last week. And then Pastor Larry goes, Now, go all over Birmingham. Yea, even to Auburn fans. Hey, you'd know it's God if he said stuff like that. And then watch this. And then watch. 
calmly floated through the roof and into heaven. And he said, don't miss this Sunday. Go, come here Sunday and wait for the power. It will come back and float it out. Do you think you would miss Sunday? Do you know that 500 people were on the side of that mountain when that happened? And only 120 showed up? And we say people are dead today? We say people don't, don't, don't have anything in them for the soup today? 500 people saw him come back to life and float into the heavens and he told them, don't miss Sunday. Go down there and stay. And 380 of them went home and didn't listen to him. Now if they'll do that to Jesus in those circumstances, we got a battle on our hands, brother. Because churches become around the 10th or 11th on people's priority list. It's soccer games and Volleyball games and, and basketball and football and picnics and hunting and fishing and all that stuff. We got a lot of stuff. Faith is not at an all-time high. It's at an all-time low. And listen to me. I could understand if the people that never saw him do anything doubted him. Never knew who he was. Doubted him. But... If you walked with him for three years, watched him open the eyes of the blind, watched him walk on water, watched him do all that, you'd think you would believe, yet Thomas, yeah, right. Thomas said, unless I see the scars in his hands and, 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 and where they pierced his side, I will not believe. I've got to see it to believe it. And you know what I would have said? Hey, dog, haven't you seen enough? I mean, really, wasn't you there? Weren't you there? Didn't you see? Didn't you? I mean, wouldn't you look at him and go, haven't you seen enough, bro? He said, "Lest I see it. And you know what? Study the name Thomas. It means twin. Which means there's always two of us struggling inside of ourselves. Faith and doubt fighting each other. And it's whichever one you feed will be the strongest. And Jesus looked at Thomas and he said, I'm glad you believe. Go ahead, put your finger in there. Go ahead, put your hand in there. I'm glad you believe. But he said, you know what? Blessed are those that will never see yet believe. He's moved by faith. The Bible says, my title is, Where in the Hell is God? The Bible says that in John chapter 11, the Bible says that Jesus had a family that he was acquainted with named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He would stop by and have dinner with them. He was friends with them. And the scripture says that they sent word to Jesus and said, Lazarus, the one you love. They wanted to remind him, this is your, this is your friend. This is your brother. 
This is the one you love. Watch me now. Watch this because this is important. He says, they said, the one you love is very sick. Now, the Bible says when Jesus heard it, he stayed there two more days. Now, that didn't bother me because, you know, I like singing that song, He May Not Come When You Want Him. But He's always on time. But when I started looking at it, I started getting kind of, if I was Lazarus, I'm the one you love. Watch. I'm the one you love. Yet, in nine chapters before that, you walked into a stranger's wedding and turned their water into wine. Eight chapters before that, you you walked in you walked into a, a woman's house and you healed her. Seven chapters before that, you sat at a well and told a woman she was forgiven of all her sins and changed her whole life. Six chapters before that, you walked into a pool and told a man thirty eight years laying there paralyzed and get up and walk. Five chapters before that, you took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. Four chapters before that, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Four chapters before that, you spit in a man's eye you didn't even know and healed him of being blind. Three chapters before that, you walked into Peter's mother's house and told her to arise. Two chapters before, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. If you love me, you gonna let me lay here sick, dying, but you, but every chapter before me, every chapter before me, you, 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 you were the man of the hour. But when it came to me, come on. I, I know I ain't preaching to people that don't know what I'm talking about. Have you ever watched God do something for somebody else and you said, they don't tithe like I do. They ain't faithful like I am. They don't praise like I praise. They don't pray like I pray. They don't, they don't volunteer like I volunteer. I don't understand why God would get them a new car, them a new house, her a husband, him a wife, them a job. Where in the hell is God when I need it? Now, I'm here to tell you something. I'm giving you license to feel that way. You know why? Because I would. I would. I mean, are you here? I, I, I would just be irritated. And the Bible says, and I don't want you to forget what I'm getting ready to tell you because this is pivotal. The Bible says they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Bro done died. He what? He did. He did. Yeah. And still did. Jesus says in verse 11 of John chapter 11, he says, Lazarus is not dead. He's sleeping. And the Bible says that Jesus says, now let us arise and go. Oh, thanks. Showing up for the viewing. Appreciate it. 
Wrong time, Rev. He starts walking. Are y'all with me tonight? It's just 830 and I'm going to get hungry in 10 minutes. He starts walking. And the Bible says that Martha ran to meet him. And Martha started pitching a fit. You know, if the Bible was written today, it says Karen ran. That's what he would have said. Martha runs to Jesus and says, if you would have been here. And Martha represents the majority of the church, not the minority. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't be dead. You know what's crazy? Mary didn't move from the house. It was just Martha. You remember when Jesus would stop by the house? Martha, Mary would come in the living room and just worship. And Martha would be in there cooking and all that stuff. And Martha even came one day and said, why you tolerate Mary up in here? She goes, I'm the one in there making the, the food and cooking everything and cleaning everything. Why you act like it? And Jesus says, she's doing what is necessary. And you know what that tells me? Worshippers don't worry. Wait, let me say it over here. See, Martha wasn't a worshiper. So the first thing that hit her was uh, it showed a lack of faith because worshipers don't worry. Worshippers know. Watch all things. Ooh, I wish I could preach up in here. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord and who are called according to his purpose. Look at your neighbor say, worshipers don't worry. He walks up and she gives him scriptural confirmation. He said, your brother will live again. She says to Jesus, she says, I know what the book says. I know that one day and all of that. Jesus knows he's dealing. Watch. Now he knows I, I was dealing with a disgruntled and hurting sibling. Now I'm dealing with religion. He ceases to talk to her. After she brings up the religious Stand, the religious foundation of what she believed. He just kept walking. He walks up. This is important. And there's Martha behind him. Can y'all see her? I just, you know, I don't even know why you're here now. I don't know why you showed up now. I mean, my God, we, you know, my God, we didn't, you know, we needed you two days ago. You sitting there. I know you got word too. Because they told me they told you. You know, y'all ain't never met that church person. And I, 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 Jesus is walking and he can just hear that chatter. And then the Bible says all of a sudden Jesus stops where he is and Jesus says, Hey! What? 
Where have you laid him? Huh? Oh, well, it's too late to put flowers on the grave. I mean, that's what you want to do? You want to go pay your respects? No, I want to find the spot where you quit believing. Take me to the place where you stop having faith. Take me to the place where you stop praising, where you stop worshiping, where you stop being faithful, where you stop being involved. Take me there. Because I can't fix this until I get there. Too much has happened in between. So I need to go where you quit believing. Because wherever you buried him is where you thought it ended. What you got buried? What you got buried God didn't tell you to bury. What if you said, well, that's done and over with. Maybe it's your purpose. Maybe it's a calling on your life. Maybe it's an anointing you used to cultivate. Maybe it's a church you used to attend. And you left in disobedience. Maybe it's something God told you to do a year ago you still haven't done. Well, let me just enlighten you with something. God will never speak to you past your last point of disobedience. If he told you to do something in 2015 you hadn't done, he hadn't talked to you since. Because he'll keep saying, did you do what I tell, told you back there? Why would I tell you to do anything else if you won't listen to me right there? Where have you laid him? So they bring him to the spot. And then he gives them a second instruction. Take me where you quit believing and take me where you put a seal over it. Now roll away that stone. Surely he stinketh, Lord. He's been in there three days. Don't let the smell fool you. Roll it away. And then the Bible says when they roll that stone away that Jesus said with a loud voice. I like that. Why you got to holler so much, Larry? Hey, come to my church. He just hollers all the time. I'm going to tell you why. Because volume creates involvement. Volume demands attention. You don't believe me? Tell your kids, hey, clean up your room, please. Please go clean up your room. I would appreciate it if you clean up your room. How many of you have done this before? You tried that nice approach. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate cleaning the room. Da, 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 da. And then watch. You know they didn't do it. And all of a sudden they're grabbing a backpack and something, leaving the house. And you go, Oh, where are you going? Oh, all of a sudden you got authority. All of a sudden you lift your voice. All of a sudden you got to get loud. 
When I was growing up, me and my brothers, we lived next door to our bus driver that drove us to school every day. His name was Dusty Rhodes. I ain't kidding. I swear to God, you can call my brother tonight. Yeah, no, 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 not, no, no. Pastor Paul said, the wrestler? No, this illustration wouldn't work if he was the wrestler. No, no, he was an old 70-year-old man that drove our school bus. His name was Dusty Rhodes, and he had a kumquat tree in his backyard. And me and my two brothers, we would go jump our fence, and we'd steal his kumquats. We'd put them in our shirt like that and load them up. And one day, and listen, Dusty was old. We could have whipped him all the way home. He couldn't beat all three of us. And first of all, he couldn't, he couldn't catch us. If he wanted to, you know what I mean? We were kids. But one day, old Dusty saw us stealing those kumquats back there. And look, he didn't leave his house. He didn't get no gun. He opened his back door and did this. Hey! When Dusty did that, we dropped those kumquats. We took off running. We leaped over that fence and never went back over there again. You know why? There was a lot wrapped up in that loud voice. There was some authority we didn't know Dusty had. There was some fear put in us we didn't fear until we heard him lift his voice. And if you're going to get the devil's attention, you can't do it with a whisper and you ain't going to do it silent. And I just came to tell somebody, in fact, if you've been saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and set free, you don't have a right to remain silent whenever it comes to lifting up your voice. Somebody ought to give him a 30-second Shout and run the devil out of your life. Sit down. He lifted up a loud voice. And he said, Father, I know you hear me when I pray. Couldn't see the Father. And that's where they had gotten all messed up about. Where in the hell is Jesus? We're going through hell. We've lost our brother. We don't know what to do. And let me tell you something. If you don't think losing a loved one that you depend on is a living hell, there's nothing worse than finality. Of love, communication, togetherness, communion. They were going through hell. And they wanted to know where he was while that was happening. And Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And here he comes, hopping out of that tomb. Wrapped with strings. And the Bible says Jesus said. Loose him. And let him go. The three instructions he gave them. Were the only three things they were responsible for. Burying him. Rolling the stone. And wrapping him up. Don't ever. Ever. 
ever curse or go to battle with something that didn't do it to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You better know and you better be sober and vigilant and know that the battle you're fighting is not flesh and blood. Go to the source of the problem. Are you hearing me? We got a lot of preachers that want to jump up in the pulpit and scream and holler about morality and scream and holler about prayer and all this stuff and about abortion and about all that kind of stuff. Where were they whenever they took prayer out of school? A lot of things we're responsible for, we're cursing the wrong stuff. It came out and they took the strings off of it. I'm almost done. Watch this. Come here, Austin. Watch this. Come up here with me. Up on the stage. Lay down right there. Put your feet toward the crowd. All right. Yeah. You're dead. Everybody say he's dead. See, what they didn't realize was a miracle happened while he wasn't there. They didn't even know a miracle had taken place. And they were wondering, where is Jesus? And he had already done the miracle. Huh? You say, Bishop, you off the deep end. When he went over there, and they rolled away the stone, and, and Jesus, that's when Jesus did the miracle. No, it ain't. Everything that comes out of his mouth is creative truth. He's so truth that if he said a lie, it would become truth by the time he said it. That's how truth, that's how much truth he is. That's why he tells us to call things that are not as though they were. That's why he said, I'm building you in the image, likeness, and giving you the dominion I have. Why? To let you know that everything that was created was created from my mouth. The only thing that was created with my hands is you. And I had so much power that everything I said with my mouth has still ceased to do what I told it to do. Wait, y'all missed that right there. The sun didn't say, I have risen enough. No, no, no. When he said, let there be light, bro, light is still showing up. When he said, when he, listen, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? When he spoke the fish into existence, there ain't no fish saying, I have flapped in this ocean long enough. I ain't doing it no more. Ain't no dog saying, look, I, my throat hurts. I ain't barking anymore. I'm going to meow. I'm going to meow like that cat. No, no, no. Everything he said with his mouth today, thousands and thousands and thousands is still doing it because it was created from what he said. The only thing disobedience, what he made with his hands. 
And he told us we had the same authority. And yet we don't use it. The miracle, are y'all ready? Took place while he wasn't there. Y'all want me to help y'all? I told you to remember something. I said it's going to be the pivotal moment. Jesus, yes. Lazarus is dead in that tomb. Lazarus, the one you love. Ain't no need to get in a hurry. He's dead. And Jesus said with his mouth, Lazarus is asleep. So the moment he said it, y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. Lazarus went from this position in that tomb and rolled over on his side and started sleeping in that tomb. Y'all ain't hearing me. I said when he's Lazarus asleep, Lazarus started sleeping in that tomb and was just waiting on Jesus to give him a wake-up call. Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying. You know what the church needs? We need a wake-up call from God. We need to know he already told us we have authority. He already told us we have power. He already told us we have miracles in our hands and our mouths. He needs us to understand that we can speak it. So when he got there, if you'll notice, Jesus never said, Lazarus, live. Lazarus, come alive. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Why? He already knew he was just sleeping up in there. Because he had already said it in verse 11. While they were all wondering where Jesus was. He was working a miracle outside of what they could see. Just like he's doing in your life. Just like he's doing in your life. And just like he's doing in yours. Wake up. Watch this. You with me Austin? I'm closing. Watch this. I'm done. Watch this. You've been to Israel 563 times Pastor Paul has so he knows what I'm about to say is the truth watch this the armies of Israel were, were being attacked by the army of Edom are you hearing me the army of Edom attacked was coming to attack the army of Israel watch me now Edom was the offspring of Esau Esau was the one that felt like his birthright was stolen. No dummy, you traded it. Jacob, who would, would later become Israel, his offspring was the nation of Israel. So Edom had an anger for Israel. Edom, watch me, thousands of years later, is the offspring of Edom is, 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 is uh, uh, the Palestinians. The Palestinians still hate the Jews and they're fighting, y'all ain't ready for this, over a piece of property not as big as this building called the Gaza Strip. I've been there. They're fighting over a piece of land this big. Why? Because they're determined to let them know you got away with our birthright, our blessing, and you're not going to get this land. 
How crazy is that? They're still fighting. Watch me now. So Israel, you with me, Austin? Y'all with me? Israel is standing at attention with 135 pounds of armor on. At 2 o'clock in the afternoon, while the sun is beating down on them at 107 degrees in the Middle East desert. They are standing there at attention. And they're waiting for instructions from God. They're waiting for God to tell them what to do. Isaiah stands at the right side of the army. He is the mouthpiece of God, the prophet to the nation. So they will not do anything until Isaiah says something. They are outnumbered four to one. With three other nations joining Edom to destroy Israel. Israel stands there. Men are passing out from dehydration and heat exhaustion. They're standing there. Their shields alone weigh 30 and 40 pounds. Their helmets weigh a collective 16 to 20 pounds on their head. They're standing there and cannot move until Isaiah gives them a word to move. And if you were in that army, I think you'd have said, hey, bro. Hey, can you hear me? Where the hell is God? Where in the hell is I mean, we are burning up in this desert. Edom ain't going to have to kill us. We're going to die standing here. Are you wondering what I'm wondering? We've been here since 6 a.m. When the clock hit 6, 6 a.m. in the morning, that's when, they would, that's when all battles would be in array. Didn't mean it started. meant they were in array. They were in order. 6 a.m. But they couldn't go to battle until they got the word from the Lord. Now it is 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They have stood there eight hours in the burning desert heat. Dripping. They've lost pounds under that armor and they're standing there and they had to be wondering where is the God we serve why don't we see him why don't we hear him don't he realize we're not going to have the strength to fight if we stand here much longer don't he care isn't he our God? Waiting. And all of a sudden, in Isaiah 63, y'all have my scriptures? Isaiah says something. Y'all have that? This, Isaiah 63, 1, y'all have that? Did y'all get that? No? Oh, there it is. Who is this that cometh from Edom? With dyed garments from Basra, this that is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. And watch, Isaiah's asking a question. The army's at attention, about to pass out, facing a four to one odds, wondering where God is. And Isaiah says, Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments? Like Basra, this is that glorious set of pair traveling in the greatness of his strength. And a voice comes from the distance and says, I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Watch this. Next verse. 
Wherefore art thou read in thine apparel? Isaiah says, Why are your garments like you've been trotting in a wine vat? Why is it filled with red, dripping like wine juice? Isaiah's asking this of the image he sees coming toward them. And a voice comes back out in verse 3 and says this. Watch. And I'm done. I have trodden the winepress alone. You weren't there. And of the people there was none with me. For I will tread them in mine anger and trample them in my fury. And their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments. And I will stain all of my reign. You ain't got it. No, they ain't got it. They're standing there at four to one odds in the middle of the day, dripping wet from sweat and exhaustion. And the army that they're about to go fight is in Edom. And they're waiting and wondering, where is God? And all of a sudden, an image comes from Edom. Image didn't show up and say, let's go, boys. I'm going to show y'all who I am. No, 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 no. It's coming from the trouble. It's coming from the issue. It's coming from Wednesday. It's coming from Saturday. See, we're in Friday. It's coming from Monday. It's coming from Tuesday. You want to know why he ain't in your Friday? Because he's in your Wednesday next week. Defeating the enemy that you were going to have to face. And you were going to have to fight. And you were going to have to deal with. And God said, you didn't think I knew. And you didn't think I'd show up. But I went ahead of you. And I've already done what you couldn't do. I've already won the victory. All I want you to do is stand in your Friday. And realize I'm in your next week. Doing what you can't do for yourself. So why don't you just give me the praise tonight. Knowing where I'm at in your next week. Because I'm omnipresent. I'm yesterday. I'm today. And I am tomorrow. I'm the, he that was. He that is. And he that is to come. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm the God that cannot fail. I'm the God that will not fail. If you'll praise me, it'll push me into action. And I'll show you who I am even when you can can't see it. Martha, stay where you are. I'm turning it back over to Pastor. Martha, you didn't even know that while I was three days away, I had already done it. Isaiah, tell your army. They had to face it. But they didn't have to fight it. Because the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. And you say, why do I have to face it? 
because he needs a witness. Somebody's got to be able to get on the stand and say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I was about to lose my mind and God. I was about to give up and God. I was about to quit and die. I'm here to tell you something. If you quit tonight, you will have quit too early. Because he ain't just in your Friday. He's in your Saturday. He's in your Sunday. And he's working it out for your good. Ain't it funny? Come here, Pastor. Ain't it funny how David said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thou rise and staff that comfort me. He said, Watch. He prepares a table. You with me? Well, if I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, if I'm, watch this, if I'm going to die there, why is he preparing a table in my future? Because he knows I ain't going to die there. He's the God that you cannot see, but you can trust. And Jesus said, Thomas, I'm glad you got to see it. And that's all good. And now you'll tell everybody you did. But he said, one day, there's going to be a church in Birmingham, Alabama that they haven't seen, but they believe. And I'm going to bless them because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Look at somebody and say, you want to know where he is? In the midst of your hell, he's on the other side of it, working it out.